We're in a series right now, if you haven't been with us, called Got Questions. We have been looking at questions that many of you submitted, things that you want to know about. <clears throat> in the last couple of weeks, we've been on the topic of healing, and we're going to continue to talk about healing this morning. Um, uh, last week, I talked about faith and the necessity of faith uh, for healing prayer to happen, and then a little bit about kind of... Uh, our perspective, in your perspective on healing. And I want to just really quickly give you a quick summary of what we said last week before we move on. First of all, it's our position that it's God's will to heal. That it's His desire that we're well and whole and right with Him. And so when we pray, let your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we're actually asking for God's kingdom, His, His reign, His rule to come into that person's body or whatever the case may be and, and bring uh, His will to be to bear and to be done right now as it one day will be completely in heaven. That's our position on that. We said faith is essential for healing, but uh, whose faith is really a, a little bit of a mystery. It could be the faith of the person praying, as it, it sometimes is. It can be the faith of the person receiving prayer. You, you might have faith that God will heal you and somebody prays for you. Maybe they don't have faith, but you do, and God will answer that. Uh, sometimes it's somebody else. It's a friend or a family member. And one of the things I pointed out last week that I'll just mention again today is that, and, and this really is, is part of what I think Holly shared, it was in Holly's heart this morning, the word she had, we, we can stand for one another. That's what this is about. We can stand for our friends. Sometimes when you're in need of prayer, you're in need of healing, whether it's physical or otherwise, uh, it's hard. You get tired, you get weak, and we can have faith for each other. So that's part of the process uh, and part of how God works. We believe all healing is from God. It can be directly divine healing or indirectly. And so we do not maintain that it is a lack of faith or disobedience to Scripture in any way to see the doctor, to seek medical attention, to get help if you need help, to get medicine if you need medicine, to have surgery if you need surgery. Uh, we believe that all of those things are, are, are gifts that God's given us to help us. We value the medical profession a lot, so it's not a lack of faith to seek medical help. If you're not well, uh, get prayer and go to the doc. Um, get prayer first. If you don't need to go to the doc, then you save some money, right? We're, prayer's cheaper. Uh, we like to be honest in our approach, and what I mean by that is, in contrast to, to maybe things you've seen or heard in, in different settings, we don't claim healing or proclaim that we're healed if we're not healed. If you're healed, you're healed. If you're not, you're not. And it's okay to say I'm not, okay? It's okay to say, uh, gosh, we prayed, I didn't get better. Uh, what we would say in that regard is, well, let's pray again. Let's pray some more. Uh, let's continue and press in. But we don't say I'm healed if I'm not healed or proclaim that if it's not happening. We understand that um, that's in the hands of God. Our job is to pray, and we'll do that. Um, last, uh, but certainly not least, compassion is our motivation. And it's of the utmost importance to us here that every single person, that we minister to feels uh, the love of Jesus and is, is well cared for. So whether they're healed or not, again, that's up to God. But our heart is that uh, we would, we would uh, love and bless and care for every single person that comes to us for ministry or for any reason. And it's also our intent and our heart that whatever happens in the course of your life, we'll walk through that with you. Um, that's what we're about. That's what we're for. So this morning, uh, we're going to continue in healing. And I have another... Great question, which again, thank you guys so much for sending your questions in. It was, it was so honest. I, I, 
It's been challenging because I'm feel, I feel like I've been addressing gut-level issues, real-life real issues, and I am blessed that you guys had the courage to ask the questions. The Bible says if we pray for the sick, they'll be healed. How come so many people we pray for are not healed? Great question. Let's, uh, let's pray, and then we'll uh, see if we can figure that out. Lord, would you open uh, your word to us this morning and open our hearts to receive? Would you speak to us and continue, Lord, to draw us closer into your purpose and your will for our lives? Amen. Uh, the big picture here is, as we have said over the last few weeks in, in a couple of different, uh, in response to a couple of different questions, sort of the overarching answer is similar to some of our earlier questions, and that is that uh, we live in a world at war. There are kingdoms in conflict, and the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness are clashing all the time. Uh, and so God's kingdom has come, but not fully. One day it will be here in its fullness, and there will be, you know, Revelation tells us no more sickness, no more pain, no more tears, no more shame. All that stuff goes away. In the intermediary period, we can pray, and God can alleviate some of those things, but we won't see them all disappear. Um, we, we, can, we, win the, we win the war. We know that. We can be confident of that. We win the war. But we may lose some battles along the way. Uh, that's the reality. And we, I don't like that reality, but that's the reality. And I, I said last week, um, my heart, my intention is to teach the Scripture, not my experience. And so uh, I, I have to be honest and say we'll, we lose some battles along the way, and they're hard. It's sad. When we lose a battle... It's another opportunity for us to be the body of Christ and walk through that loss together and experience that loss together. Uh, we, we rejoice at the victories together, and we mourn at the losses together. I want to point out a little bit of that reality in regard to healing from the Scripture. I want to I talk about uh, some times in, in Scripture today when the disciples uh, and even Jesus were not totally successful in healing ministry. Uh, the first of those is in Philippians 2. Paul's writing, he says, I think it's necessary to send back to Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died, but God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. So Epaphroditus is a friend and traveling companion of Paul. Uh, he was sick, and for some reason he did get better. We don't know if he was healed or got better naturally, but it, he, he didn't get well as soon as they had hoped and wanted him to. He remained ill for some period of time longer than I think Paul would have liked. Another occasion in 1 Timothy, Paul writing again to Timothy, he says, Stop drinking only water. Use a little wine because of your stomach and your frequent illnesses. Um, that is just such a loaded verse. Uh, I'm going to just leave it at that and just say Timothy apparently had some digestive issues. There was an ongoing problem medically uh, in Timothy's life. And uh, so Paul encourages him here to, in effect, use what would be medicinal, to uh, drink a little wine to help you with that. Maybe that'll calm your stomach down and take care of some things. And so, again, Paul there recommending, I think, uh, medical means to uh, bring healing to his friend. T Paul and Timothy had a 15-year relationship. Paul was a mentor, spiritual father, friend, traveling companion. Uh, it is unthinkable to me that in that 15-year period, if Timothy has an ongoing illness, that Paul did not pray for him for me to be healed. So uh, that's the reality there. 
Uh, Erastus stayed in Corinth, and I left Trophimus sick in Miletus. Again, Trophimus is a traveling companion accompanied Paul on his third missionary journey, somebody that is a Christian leader, a man of faith, a person that uh, worked with Paul closely, was involved in a lot of ministry with him, and yet uh, he was not able to uh, join them on this leg of the journey because he was, he was homesick. Uh, and then finally, Paul himself, he says, uh, as you know, it was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you, even though uh, my illness was a trial to you. So his friends had to take care of him, potentially, uh, and help him out there. Uh, you do not treat me with contempt or scorn. Instead, you welcome me as if I were an angel of God, as if I were Christ Jesus himself. Great, great attitude. That's our attitude. That's what we want to do. But my point in all of these is that all of these men were Christian leaders. All of them were actively involved in prayer ministry, healing ministry, caring for others. Uh, and yet, they're, they're, as people of faith, they experienced sickness in their life and weren't healed at times when uh, they might have been otherwise. And so we can look at that and say that even at that time during the ministry of, of the disciples that there were times that they prayed for people that they didn't get well. So that is the reality of how the kingdom works. There are some things, though, in regard to healing ministry that we can control. Some things we can't, but some things we can. There are, there are factors involved that potentially uh, could detour or hinder healing in our lives um, so I want to, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to go over this really, really quickly. And then today we have a, a special treat. Uh, my lovely wife is going to come and share with us here. This is the deal. You have to, nobody can come up to me and go, Donna was really good. Why doesn't she do that more often afterwards? Okay. Don't say that to me because she does a great job. So Donna's going to come and share with us in a couple of minutes, but I'll try to, uh, cover a couple bases here. So there's some things I think that we should look at in regard to, Here's the thing, if, if there's sickness in my life or somebody's life, if there's something, there's some things I can't control, okay, but if there's something I can control, I want to take a look at that. I want to know, is there something I'm doing that I can do to potentially open the door for God to heal me? So <coughs> the first thing we said last week, remember, faith is essential for healing. Uh, so, so logically, if faith is essential for healing, then a lack of faith, could potentially prevent healing. Um, James tells us this. He says, Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. As I said, the faith could be any one of a number of people, but sometimes, and I have been in environments where there was just a lack of, it was a uh, a fearful environment rather than a faithful environment, where there, generally speaking, was a lack of faith uh, kind of blanketing the situation. So I would say that there might be times, and I don't think that's the case in this church, certainly, but there might be times where you're in another setting somewhere where there's just an overwhelming lack of faith, and, and that might potentially be a hindrance to God's ability uh, to heal. This, the second thing um, is personal unconfessed sin. Continuing uh, the, the, that same passage, James says, if they have sinned, the sick person, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Um, you know, look, 
Sin can hinder the work of God in our lives in any number of ways, can it not? It it really uh, will prevent us in any situation from being able to experience and walk in all that God has for us, and that's true in terms of healing as well. And so I want to say this uh, pastorally and lovingly and graciously. If there's sickness in your life or if you're praying for healing or you're seeking God for something, it's not happening uh, you might want to just, you know, if there's unconfessed sin in your life, if there's hidden sin, patterns of sin, if there's things that you know of, that uh, I would take a look at that. And I would do what James encourages to do and bring that before God and, and get with somebody that you know and trust and love to share that with and confess that with. Um, I know some of you, and what I'm not saying is this. Look, don't... Don't look around and go, is there any sin in my life? Have I ever done anything wrong? Oh, I, you know, I, said a, I might have said a bad word yesterday. I don't know. I, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about if you know. If you, you, you know, right? You know if there's stuff going on in your life that you know. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about every little, did I, did I have a bad thought? You know, we all sin. We all, we, we all make, make mistakes along the way. And we want to confess those and bring those to God. But that's not what I'm talking about here. I, I don't want those of you that have that tender heart uh, to start digging around going, maybe I'm sick because I've done something wrong. I'm talking about if there's willful, unrepentant sin in your life that you're aware of, to, to really bring those things before God. Um, th- third thing, I talked about a healing environment last week, is not so much unconfessed personal sin, but a general sense of disunity or uh, sin or unbelief in the body of Christ. Hello, boys and girls. It's just so hard. They're so cute. I, I, I can't just ignore them. First um, Corinthians 11, uh, I would encourage you to read the whole passage uh, a little bit later on your own. But Paul says, that is why uh, many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. Oh, my. Uh, and what he's talking about there is disunity in the body is factionalism. is people saying, well, we, we're going to do, this group is going to say, well, we do it this way. And these guys are saying, well, we do it that way. And these guys say, you're both wrong. This is how we do it over here. Uh, that kind of thing is not going to be helpful in the body of Christ. If, if we are not consciously serving one another, loving one another, caring for one another, if we're not working together, that sort of environment can uh, hinder the work of God and bring about uh, things like a, a lack of healing and sickness and, and all of that in our lives. So we, we want to uh, really evaluate. And I don't think we have that situation here, but I certainly want to mention that I think it is something that can prevent healing. So lack of faith, unconfessed sin, uh, disunity are all things that potentially could block uh, healing in our lives. There's one more really important thing. And, and this is something that I, I, I just will take a couple minutes on this, and then I'll get Donna up here. But I believe, and this is what I, in my heart is where we are as a church today, uh, that God is moving. God's been bringing healing to people. He's been touching people's lives. And I believe that when that happens, we need, to, we need to press in all the harder. We need to be persistent in prayer. Um, I, this is one reason why I think it's so important to be connected, to be in community, to be to, to, to really be together on this, uh, to, to be pursuing God with everything that we have in every way that we can, to be lifting one another up, 
to be encouraging one another. When you hear something good's happening in somebody's life throughout the week, to be praying and thanking God and blessing God and asking for more. And when you hear something bad is happening in somebody's life, to be lifting that person up and praying for them and blessing them. I mean, you know, just, that's, the way it's, that's the way it's supposed to work. And if we do that, I believe we'll see tremendous things happen in the kingdom of God. Jesus makes this very clear. He tells us in Matthew 7 that we are to ask, seek, and knock. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if you ask your son for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give gifts? Good give. Give good gifts to those who ask him. So we've got to press in. We have to press in. Uh, asking, seeking, knocking is not asking once, okay? This is why, it's one reason, it's not the only reason, but this is why I tell people, hey, come for prayer. If, if, you, if you, God doesn't answer the prayer, if you don't get healed, that, it's not over. Come back again. Come next week. Come next week. I want to just say right now, I've said it before, but look, no shame, no embarrassment. Come 100 times. We'll pray for you 100 times. Uh, some people here pray for you 300 times. Just keep coming, okay? Just keep, we, we press in and seek. Um, another passage I think is really, really key. Uh, Luke 18, Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them they should always pray and not give up. Just memorize that. Always pray and not give up. He said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says, and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? So we want to press into God. We want to keep coming. And that story... uh, the, contrast, the contrasting dynamics that Jesus makes there. You know, the, the judge just gives up. You know, you win. Uh, this poor little lady is going to twist my arm off. Uh, and then he says, you know, you compare the unjust judge to God who is just. We press in, press in, press in, and God will hear and God will answer. Um, so uh, one, one more uh, little, little thing. Uh, it, look, it's a battle, okay? It's a fight. We've got to fight. We've got to keep going. Uh, one more little thing, and, and uh, then I'll have Donna come up. Um, we really have to contend for healing. We, we really do. I, 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 if you guys were here last week, I, I shared a story with you. I have to, I have to give you the follow-up and uh, be further vulnerable, which I don't like, but... <laughs> So I, I, I have problems with my knees, and, and uh, at our home group a couple weeks ago, actually not at our home group, in a dream about our home group, my knee got healed, and I shared that with you. And all week last week, I walked through the week 
more or less about 75% pain-free compared to my, my norm. Um, and I had committed to sharing that with the church, and I did. But it was very difficult for me to do so because, as it would be on Sunday when I got up, my knee was very sore. And uh, weirdly, and, and I'm going to just say, I don't get it. I, I don't understand. But Sunday morning throughout service, the pain in my knee got worse and worse and worse. And I didn't share this, but by the time service was over, it hurt bad, so bad I could hardly stand up. So we had the auction and the thing with the fundraiser for the kids. So somebody said, hey, if you're 75% better, I didn't tell them that part. They said, you should, we should pray for you for some you know, more. I said, yeah, let's do that. So I said, who's, who's got the juice? And so they told me, well, Mercy and Rachel have the juice. So they got some of the girls, the high school girls, to pray for me. And um, as they prayed, I could feel the pain just like just leaving my knee. And with the, and I mean, again, I went from really being distraught over the whole thing that I had shared this with you guys and then it wasn't better. Uh, within about 10 minutes while we were sitting here eating pie, uh, all the pain just left me completely. And Donna and I went at the uh, a pastor's retreat Monday, Tuesday. I were down at Cannon Beach and I was going up and downstairs and walking on the beach and and all week long, basically, uh, I went from Monday to Thursday with no pain. And then the last couple of days, it's been a little sore. But I just think we have to press in and contend. I'm not going to give up. I don't like to ask for prayer. It's not my style. But I'm going to do it because I think it's important. I think we have to press in. Um, what's your problem? Uh, one, one more. Uh, I want to be, I'm going to close with this, and then I'm going to give Donna some time. Um, I want to look at the last thing I want to do today. I know, but I'm going to try. I'm going to do it. Get, get, stop. You're taking up time right now. You take, I got to do this. this. To me, this is one of the, Honey, just be patient. One of the most... I want to look at one of the most troubling passages in the New Testament. It troubles me. I don't like this. It's there. That's why I'm looking at it. I don't like it. Jesus left there and he went to his hometown accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue and many who heard him were amazed. So some people were hearing his teaching. They thought, wow. They said, where did this man get these things? They asked, what's this wisdom that has been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? Remarkable miracles he is performing. Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And then it says, Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown, among his relatives, in his own home. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Do I need to point out to you that this is Jesus? That bothers me. I, I, have, I have trouble wrapping my mind around the reality that Jesus couldn't do any miracles there and could heal a few people. I don't get it. The only explanation I have for that is that God wants our participation in this process so much that he, is, he willingly governs and limits His own power and ability to heal without it. That we 
must be participants in the process. God wants us to be involved. So let me just close with this. Our, our standard of faith is not our present experience. Our standard of faith is the compassion, the heart, the goodness, and the power of God. That's our standard of faith. So we press into that as willing participants with the understanding that God wants us involved in the process. Okay, look, I give you ten minutes, honey. Ten minutes. That's all you get. Sorry. I want my... have certainty that a loving heavenly father in heaven hears every prayer i just want you to take that in then just nod if not i would love to pray for you and talk to you about that but i'm around kids a lot and i oversee our kids ministry and since 1990 when our youngest was um born i've been very involved in kids ministries off and on so i'm around kids a lot and one of the things i love about them is their faith is so pure and so sweet. They don't complicate that. God's our Heavenly Father, and He loves us, so we can ask for whatever we want. And I always tell them, hey, you know what? I'm your sister in Christ, so you're my sister and brother. So all these kids are our sisters and brothers. So when we pray, we just say, you know, we just can pray for anything. And one of my favorite scriptures is just a really short verse, but it's when Gabriel came to Mary and said, this miracle is going to happen. And she said, how can that be? And he said, Luke one thirty seven. remember this, for nothing is impossible with God. So if we believe that and really hold on to it, and that's the kind of faith you have every time you go to pray, then the enemy will run. And I believe that there is an enemy, and his plan and purpose is to destroy that faith. So we just have to believe in Luke one thirty seven. for nothing's impossible with God. So every time we pray and every time we cry out, And even if nothing happens, we just have to keep praying and keep contending and praying and believing in that. Not believing in that, you know, not looking at ourselves and the mess that our lives are in and how broken our lives are in, but just believing in nothing's impossible with God. Okay, so can we nod and just believe in that? Okay, with that childlike faith and um, having people come to you in prayer and asking for some pretty serious things. I want to share a story about a really dear friend of mine who, they actually came to our church. Um, their boy was the first child that came to our church, actually, and he was like a miracle child. And she said that she's had many miscarriages. They relocated here, and she had several more miscarriages. She had actually five. And um, and I became a really good friend. And so she called me one day and said, Donna, it's happening again. I'm having a miscarriage. And with each pregnancy, you know, the hope and the anticipation of a, this miracle of a baby. And this time, you know, heavy cramping, all the signs a woman has when this is taking place. And I said, can I come over and pray? She said, well, it's already happening. I said, has it happened yet? No. Well, I'm on my way. So I rushed over there, and I said, look. And she was on the couch. I said, can I just cry out with everything in me? And just fight to the end with you. And her and her husband said, yes. So we prayed and prayed. And just poured out our heart. Lord, if it be, please. Life, not death. Life, not death. And that's what we prayed between sobs. 
and she lost the baby. And so later we talked about that. And I said, you know, we fought to the end, didn't we? Aren't you glad you didn't give up? Aren't you glad you have the peace of mind to know that it's all in God's hands? He's the God of the universe, and we didn't give up, and we fought to the end. And she said, yes, I really, I really appreciate that. Years before that, and I talked to my friend 20 um, last night. Her daughter's 22 years old. Her name's Jody, And she had a similar experience. She had two miscarriages, and it was happening again. She's about 12 weeks pregnant. She's, this time it's really severe, and things are happening pretty fast. So they, her husband calls Glenn. Glenn says, can Donna come over and pray? Yes. So I rushed over there. Has it happened yet? No, it hasn't happened yet. And I just started praying and crying out with my friend. Um, you know, just the blubbering kind of prayers you pray. But believing, God, Heavenly Father, this is in your hands, this child's life, and we pray that this child will not die. And as we were praying, I got this picture. Now, I've had four kids, so... I don't know if by then I probably had a couple. I don't know, too. But I've seen ultrasounds, you know, where you see the, the heart beating. I don't know. Jody's 22, so, yeah, she was. I had all four of them. And um, I saw a picture of a, a heart beating really, really fast. Like, boom, 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 boom. Like, just like what you'd hear on an embryo's heartbeat. And I saw that, but I was afraid to say it at first because I thought if I say it, and it's not true, you know what I mean? So I just, but I felt it very strong. And what she was praying at that very second is, Lord, she had not had an ultrasound yet, and she was going to in that next week because their, their insurance was changing, and she didn't want. She was being careful about it, but um, she said, "Lord, if I could just hear the heartbeat or just see it, then I'll be okay." Well, things like I said were happening pretty fast, and she, she said she was completely paralyzed with fear and worry and hopelessness that it just nothing was going to happen. Why? Said to her, "Hey, Colleen, I see a heart beating." And she burst out with joy and laughter and just crying, yes, I believe this baby's going to live. And sure enough, that baby did live. So she's 22 years old today. And um, she was just sharing with her daughter that story, um, Jody. And she said that's, you know, she had not known that. I want to share with you a scripture that I feel validates this fighting to the end. And it's a scripture that came to me years ago. And it's King David. King David's... um, Son, he has a baby boy, and the baby boy's very sick, and he's dying. So King David um, just started fasting and praying. He literally threw himself on the floor. His family and servants could not pick him up off the floor because he was weeping and crying for seven days. And he refused because he was just contending for this child's life. And on the seventh day, the servants came in, he knew. And they said, I'm sorry, but your son has died. And this is what David did. Um, and he got up. When he heard this news, and he washed himself, and he put his clothes on, and he actually went to go worship first. And after he worshiped, then he went to eat and drink. And the servant said, like, why the sudden, like, changeover? Like, one minute you're this, and the next hour you're this, you know? And David said, while the baby was alive, I fasted, and I cried, and I thought, who knows? Maybe the Lord will feel sorry for me. Maybe the Lord will hear my prayers, and the baby will live. But now that the baby has died, why should I fast anymore? I can't bring him back to life. Someday I will go to him, but he cannot come back to me. Then David comforted his wife, and later his, that, his wife had King Solomon. But he fought to the end, and then when it was finished, 
he went on with it. So I just wanted to encourage people today to, um, there's a lot of prayers that we pray and we ask and ask and things don't happen. Um, it really helps to have somebody come alongside you and do this so many times in our own life. I'm like a fighter. My family will tell you, I'm like a little dog. I'll hold on and I won't let go. And I'm just going to contend and fight for this. And I can be tenacious and relentless in that way with my faith. And I've had, um, you know, I can be that way when something I love and when I want justice and when I feel something is wrong, I can get like that. But in our own, my husband and my family's laughing because it's true. And they know, you know what I mean? Like I said this, you know, I'm that way. And I, I hope that others will be that way too. But anyway, I always say, if I get in a crack and I die, don't donate my organs yet. Just fight for me. Pray that I'll come back to life or something. Just fight to the end because, you know, I might not want to go yet, you know. Somebody, is anybody else like me that will fight to the end, you know. You have to get people like that around you. And there's been some different situations in our life when, People have gathered around us. They've interceded and prayed for us, and they've held up our arms in prayer when we couldn't anymore. And I, that's the church has been that way. It's just been great. So anyway, so that's my sharing of um, fighting to the end and not giving up in prayer. And Luke one thirty seven says, "Let's say it together: For nothing is impossible with God." The end. Period.